Hello, my name is Corey, and welcome to the RCF Podcast, a place where you can dive deep into what the scriptures say, get caught up on current events, or sit back and listen to topical discussions on life from all ages. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'm going to turn it over to RCF's Pastor James. All right, welcome back. As we take a quick look, continuing our journey on through the book of Philippians. Last week, we left off our brother Paul talking to this church that he loved with, uh, you know, he was really struggling. Wanted to go home and be with the Lord, but also wanted to bear more fruit. Wanted to see their life blessed. And it was kind of a, a wonderful introduction to how Paul beautifully, how the Holy Spirit beautifully blends in this testimony of what he had been doing in his life and rolls it into something that they need to grow in some points that they needed to be reminded of. Because this wonderful group of Christians that met in various places in this city, who really were a wonderful congregation, had some, had some me monsters creeping up. They, they began to become a little self-focused. There was some division in there in the midst of doing good things, and which is so easily our nature, that in the process of that, we began to maybe look down upon other people or wonder why they're not pulling their own weight or they should do better or just uh, we just had these issues and so Paul's going to walk right into that because they had they sent money to make sure Paul is cared for they poured out love to him and this is a gift that he had to offer to them how do we how do we get past this how do we deal with these issues now they're dealing with some stuff where they needed to be of the same character, no matter what situation they're in. As I shared this once before, you know, I could, my face or my excitement level may be different from, from when I'm on a roller coaster from what, to when I'm sitting in a classroom. But my character is to remain the same. And Paul's going to give them a few points. We're going to look at a, just a few things as we dive into this of, how do we how do we let that be shaped? How do I not be two-faced or hypocritical or just as Paul says it simply just worthy of the gospel of Christ. So let's jump into that here in in Philippians picking up in chapter 1 verse 25 after he speaks about um, knowing that God's going to continue on his ministry to bless them as well. He says, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Now, here's a, here's a real key. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I am come to and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So as he begins to talk about, hey, you know, I think, I think the Lord's going to have me around for a little bit longer. <laughs> Whether you love it or hate it, I got some days ahead of me. I still got some ministry and some life. And, and he says, you know what, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bless you. God's got some work to do. And we're going you know, to party down, we're going to rejoice, we're going to be pumped when we get back together. But, 
he he begins to have this teaching moment. He he wants to bring them to a place of of unity where there's been division. Transparency where there's been cloudiness. He says only only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Is your character the same no matter whose presence you're in? Is your character the same no matter what room you're in? He said, man, whether I'm there or not, I want to hear that your character, you, your conduct, your activity, that the fruit of your life is worthy of the gospel. Mm. Paul said, not only I want that to be true, but I want to hear about that. And that that's causing you to stand fast and to have one mind. And, and again, one mind in the scripture isn't, isn't mean that everybody's a bunch of robots or that we're all brainwashed and we say the same thing. No, 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 no. In Christianity, there is a desire for unity. But God does not demand uniformity. Hands and feet do different stuff. Ears and nose do different stuff. We all want to glorify God. We want to be worthy of the gospel. We're going to be one-minded in that. But there will be differences of opinions. There will be differences of ministries and activities. But that does not mean that we can't be united and living and and ministering in such a way that is worthy of the gospel. So they call them to strive together. And he throws in this little caveat, which is kind of a, a, (laughs) it's kind of an interesting one, kind of a side swiper. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So he said, okay, now you guys need to become one. Your conduct needs to be worthy. We need to be pushing for these things. But understand, God has given you a gift, and it's called persecution. (laughs) You're like, man, can we return that to sender? Can we get out of that? But Paul said, no, this is is something that's going to happen. God's granted it to be so, that you're going to have tribulation in this world. And he said to those who are giving it, to those from the outside who don't understand it, it's going to be a proof that you're wasting your time. They're going to look at it and say, see, I told you. But to you, you're going to see it and you're going to see God in it. The spirit of the glory of Christ is going to rest upon you in that, Peter says. And it's going to become a proof of salvation, even though not everyone will see that. And so as he begins to say, look, I want you to start off, know that You're a wonderful church. Know that you're going to have tribulation. But as he introduces, he says, you know, basically stop tearing one another apart. I want you to be of one mind, of one heart, worthy conduct. Stop, stop tearing each other apart. And let's get unified so that we can glorify the Lord. And so I want to cover a few more verses because I think it all kind of comes together. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, 
If any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So he's like, man, if there's anything good and green on this earth, if there's anything wonderful, if there's any way I can say pretty please, sugar on top, whatever it takes, please hear me on this. Paul, you know, if there's any consolation, any love, any, if there's anything in this, please walk this out. Fulfill my joy. Be like-minded, have the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So, so not just striving together, not, not just conduct and stop tearing each other apart, but I, I need you to transform your mind on this issue, Paul would say here. Like-minded, love, being of one mind. The world wants us to be selfish. The world wants us to step on others and to elevate ourselves that we might be the pinnacle, the top of the pyramid. Paul's going to introduce a thought that's different, not to be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we would have one mind, and it's the mind of Christ. We'll get to the mind of Christ next week, but... In verse 3, he says, he's going to give us two, a couple really good tips in 3 and 4 on this process. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. When was the last time you did that? Could you stop and think about it? Maybe be like David and God search me and know me, reveal these things, reveal any wicked way in me. When was the last time you looked at somebody and esteemed them, you lifted them up higher than yourself as better than yourself? Mm. That's a tough one because it's my nature to say, eh, they probably paid too much for that car. Well, in my heart, I just really want that car. Eh, you know. I just find a way to put them down in my mind. I don't, I'm not too easily, I, I resort back to not wanting to esteem them as better than myself. Worthy of blessings and and grace from God and mercy and just a wonderful life and being stri- striving together to lift others up, you know, as Jesus did my, my conduct worthy of the gospel, to see God glorified. And if he wants to magnify himself in someone else, that's awesome. That's great. Because I want to hold them in my mind in that position. See, because our tendency is not to. You know, Gail Irwin, you know, in the Jesus style, a book that he wrote years ago, he talked about, you know, in Christianity, we're trying to make the, the upside down pyramid. We want to be at the bottom and we want to raise others up. Because in our, in our American culture, our, our pursuit to be number one, the best, too easily does our self get in there and exalt by putting others down rather than to glorify God and let him exalt us by esteeming and lifting others up. God's ways are different. So radical was Jesus' statement when he came in and said, you know what? You need to love those who don't love you. (laughs) You need to love your enemy. Radical stuff. 
radical stuff because it's not natural. He'd say, look, it's not a big deal. Obviously, this is a brutal paraphrase, but it's not a big deal if, if you just love those who love you. If you think people are cool who think you're cool. And he said, everybody, everybody does that. It's our natural tendency because we, you know, we want something, so we, so we give something, and so we get that, that pleasure or that love or whatever we're seeking. But will we do it when we don't get anything in return? Will we do it when someone is going to come out better than us? So a couple key, key points. Stop tearing each other apart and esteem others. Better change your thinking about other people. We want to be have our conduct, our character worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's stop tearing each other apart and change our minds. In verse 4, and we'll finish up on this verse. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So that practical outworking. Not only if we want our character and our conduct to be worthy of our Lord and the message that we spread, we're going to stop tearing each other apart. We're going to change our thinking. We actually have to meditate and to think about the good, the positive, the lovely, the praiseworthy about someone else. Because, you know, it's it's like that old example. If I tell you, hey, I don't want you to think about the word pink. Well, pretty soon (laughs) I just can't get that stupid word out of my mind. Thanks a lot. If we begin to always put in our mind what is wrong with someone, why they're inferior to what's going on in my life, why they don't deserve. Rather than the esteeming, we can't get to this point. And we want to get to this point. Because John said, you know, we don't, we don't want to be those who simply love with our words. But we want to love in deed and in truth. So we want to, we want to stop the negative action. We want to stop tearing each other apart. We want to transform our minds, our hearts, by the Word of God. And then we want to act on it. We want to act on it. James said, you know, faith without works is dead. <laughs> I use this example with the kids, and, well, I'll tweak it just a little bit for, for, uh, for all you adults out there. You know, hunting season's around. And my redneck roots are showing because I didn't say hunting. I said hunting. And uh, every once in a while you come across this story of uh, of someone who shoots a deer. And, uh, you know, they you get a good shot. It's laying there. It's dead. And, and they'll start dragging it off. They go to take care of it. And all of a sudden that thing jumps up and takes off or <laughs> they start wrestling with it or something because they thought it was dead because it was lifeless. It wasn't moving. For a long time. <laughs> Sometimes too many of our faith has become like that. Basically just dead. You could jump, you could jump right by that deer, and you could yell and you could scream or you could poke it or start dragging it up. And it doesn't move for a while. And so you think that it's dead. Paul writes to these Christians, Paul, the Holy Spirit would speak to us today. Is is has our faith become like that? We can say, well, you know, maybe I'm not treating people that way, or I'm really trying to get my mind straightened out, but but has it come all the way into action, or is my faith, is, are these things lifeless? Because we need all three. 
Paul's going to go on in this book to give us some beautiful examples of how this works out, how we put some shoe leather to it, if you will. But today, as Paul would give this gift to this church that loved him, and it was a church full of joy, but they had some selfishness, some envy and strife creeping in. He said, one first, stop. You know, we call that, you know, good old-fashioned repentance. Knock it off. And then begin to let God change your mind. Choose to change your mind. God will change your heart. And then as you go, let that transform your actions, looking to other people's needs and living out this wonderful faith. And in the process, we'll find that God transforms our character and our life. And then (laughs) he just smiles on that and says, man, good job. You're acting worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a glory that'll be. We'll catch you next time. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you. Bye.